everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Uh, this is going to be a journey of an episode. I'm like okay. really tired. And I'm I've made a smoothie. I'm trying to perk myself up. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. Uh, I believe in you. I, I believe in your ability to talk for forty five minutes. Uh that <laughs> sounded like a compliment, but it did is. not feel like a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, always always work with your friends, people. Always work with your friends. So what are we talking um, about today? <laughs> we are talking about I th- well, this is another sort of little combo thing. I think this is officially, at least until like Paramount Plus starts having British content that we need to talk about, like the last of our big overview, now stream this deep dives, which we are going to talk about in conjunction with the show that I happen to just really like, because it's a good kind of gateway into this very confusing streamer. Um, because I suspect many people don't actually know that this exists. It is called AMC Plus. It is part of the AMC cable network, but it's their own streamer thing, and it's very confusing. Okay, so let's start with the you fact... Know what she, you know what she's like, okay, pause, that it's about to be real. So AMC is one of the very few cable networks that is not owned by a much larger conglomerate and that's the thing that that, that's the first most important thing you need to know about it that's true in fact it owns several other cable networks right it is it is kind of it is in a way almost a relic of another time when small cable sort of empires existed that owned like two or three other channels and kind of called themselves an empire before come you know these very large production companies like Paramount like Disney, like Comcast, came in and basically bought up huge swaths of cable channels and a broadcast network and then combined their movie collection with it and basically made like, you know, a giant, you know, footprint. AMC is a very tiny little footprint. Um, AMC, though, is probably the most, probably one of the, the, the streamer that our listeners should be the most interested in. But it is also going to be the most frustrating one for our listeners to be able to subscribe to. And that Mm. sort of, to me, sort of defines everything that's good and bad about AMC+. So AMC... I just... Can we stop putting plus on the end of everything? Nope, nope. It's it's math time. It's math time. I'm sorry. I just can't. I can't, like... Nope. Really? Yep. Um, So... AMC Networks, one of the one of the channels that they bought pretty early on in their sort of like we if we sort of there, there's a there's a thing in business where they refer to it as tying two stones together and see if they float. Um, and this was sort of what happened with AMC what? and BBC. It's just a, it's a real phrase. Tying two stones I together. I have never to... heard it. This this sounds like dunking a witch where it's like, <laughs> oh, OK, you so, drowned. I guess you weren't a witch. Our bad. So. AMC Networks bought BBC America, and that was, uh, they didn't buy it, but they bought 49% stake in it. So they own it, co-own it with BBC Worldwide, which is the commercial arm of the BBC, um, which we sort of talked about last time a little bit. Um, And 
because it owns it, it basically sort of partially owns BBC America, it very much got into British programming. The next thing it did is it bought AMC or it bought, uh, excuse me, it bought Acorn TV. Um, and it has Sundance now and it has IFC. So it has like a whole little like conglomerate of small time channels, most of which have programming that basically are aimed right at our listeners. The only one of these that doesn't actually have programming that aim that's aimed at our listeners is AMC itself, which its big show is The Walking Dead, which I mean if you're into zombies, sure. Um I am not into zombies. Although the show that we're going to talk about specifically after we get done with this overview is an AMC mainline show. And that is, by the way, because I don't think I've said that yet, A Discovery of Witches, which has many things that tick my boxes, like period costumes this season, forbidden love between supernatural creatures, hot people. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, but up until it started really sort of getting into British programming, I guess is a good way of putting it. AMC was best known for Mad Men, which is a very American show, Breaking Bad, which is a very American show, and The Walking Dead, which is a very zombie show. So, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I think they are also zombies in America, if I recall correctly. They they are. In fact, they're zombies in Alexandria, here. Oh, right. (laughs) I did watch The Walking Dead for quite some time. I think I made it all the way till that guy's eyeball fell out. But um, then I was just like, and we're done. (laughs) Sorry, that was a spoiler. That was a spoiler for The Walking Dead. If for some reason you haven't watched it and still plan to now that it's on like season 47. (laughs) Anyway, so... AMC, because it is this very small conglomerate, didn't have a big production studio house that basically it it was partnered with. So unlike, say, Disney+, Plus, Paramount+, HBO Max, uh, Peacock, etc., it didn't make one big streaming service. When it purchased um, Acorn TV... Acorn TV became, I kind of thought when that happened that they were basically going to make like, well, quote unquote, AMC Plus and take Acorn TV as their sort of base and sort of add everything into it and add Sundance and add everything. That's not what they've done. In fact, what they've done is something that's actually much, in a way, almost worse, much, much worse or maybe smarter. What they've decided to do is do lots of little streaming services that are basically aimed at all the different niches. So basically, instead of paying like, you know, 10 bucks for, uh, you know, Paramount Plus or 15 bucks for HBO Max, you pay four dollars here, four dollars there, four dollars for something else. And you get all these other tiny little like the very direct, you know, Sundance now is all of the Sundance kind of movies and very specific kind of TV shows. IFC is very specific. Um, AMC Plus is The Walking Dead. Acorn is Acorn like this. So you can Shutter, subs- Shutter is very horror focused. Right. And so there's there's a whole bunch of different ones that sort of and and you can sort of decide well you know if i if, if you're not really into the horror stuff you don't have to subscribe to shutter if you're really into the british stuff you you subscribe to acorn and amc plus right like there's different there and, and you can sort of but it is but it is very confusing yes it is and that makes it especially because they're the only company that is doing that sort of nickel and dime thing um i mean i, I on the plus side like i like that it is very um affordable mm-hmm. in the sense that like if you only really want to watch um 
Miss Fisher or something. You can mm-hmm. spend your five bucks a month and get Acorn and keep it moving. Yeah. But like if for some reason you want to watch something on more than one of those verticals, figuring out where the thing lives because some of them live in more than one place. Yes. Discovery of Witches is actually a perfect example of that because Discovery of Witches is, is both available on AMC Plus and on Sundance Now. But if you go to AMC's website and try to stream a and try to stream a discovery of witches, it will only tell you to sign up for AMC Plus. It will not actually tell you that Sundance Now is an option. Yes, because it lives in both places. Yeah. Which is just like it's very that's just a really I was just talking to somebody about this earlier today about how many streaming services have just a really poorly thought out user experience. And If your goal is to get someone to watch a piece of content, I'm not sure why they thought that the play was to put as many like turns and roadblocks between the person and that piece of content as they do. But they do. And it's kind of a lot. Um, I also this is partly this is because this whole move to streaming and content was spearheaded by two companies, Netflix and Amazon, neither of whom were content creators prior to that they were tech companies and in the same way as say google they are tech companies that were not used to actually having to provide um customer service right like the idea of customer no 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 we're a free service that you just use and you just sort of struggle along and i'm sorry if you have questions because there's really nobody to answer them and that's basically (laughs) honestly there is no there's an entire cottage industry out there every month of people of 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 sites that literally do nothing but tell you what's going to be on netflix next month because netflix really never thought they needed to bother right and 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 that's true yeah. of basically every streaming service now. There is a whole cottage industry of people that do nothing but do posts of what's coming to Netflix next month, what's coming to Disney Plus next month, what's coming to Paramount Plus next month. It's what's whole, leaving X, right? what's leaving XYZ platform. Right? Oh, oh, Disney Plus does not actually let you know what's leaving. They all they don't want you to let you know that anything ever leaves their platform. I find that fascinating. Anyway, so the my point being that this because this was sort this this entire like world of how we consume was created by people who did not actually think about having to like interact with consumers before they actually started their company that 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 doesn't exist and so AMC it makes the same mistake as everyone else in that manner um I find it extremely frustrating. You know, I do the street what 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 best things to stream every month uh, for televisions, and it is it takes me a couple of days to round all that stuff up because not everybody makes it easy. Like BritBox does not make it easy to always find it. Like I have to bug PR people. Like hello, I'm going to write about your stuff if you send me a thing. Hello. Anyway, like anyway, the point is is that. These can be very frustrating. And AMC Plus itself is probably one of the most frustrating of all. Um, Mm -hmm. Acorn TV, Sundance Now, Shudder, all of these are streaming services that you can go to the website, immediately sign in, um, put your credit card number in, and boom, you're a member. You can watch it on your laptop. You can watch it. You can you can upload the app to your smart tv you can if you're a person with a playstation do it through that if you're a person with roku you do to do it through that but you you can just do it. it it's just straight amc you can't actually do that amc plus you have to in order to be able to watch it on your laptop you have to subscribe through amazon prime 
or you have to have one of a very no i'm serious you have to have one of you have to have an apple tv or a roku or a dish or direct tv or sling or youtube tv like it's not a like i couldn't just go downstairs but what if i I have like a roku but i want to watch it on my laptop i did you can't you have to you have to you have to have that provider in order to basically sign in. And I don't oh. actually have any of those. So I actually cannot get AMC+. Plus. I cannot go downstairs to my Samsung TV and put AMC+, Plus on it as an app and watch it the way I can, say, Acorn. You know, I, I literally cannot. Wow. I can do it with Sundance now. I can do, I can do something called AMC Presents. Which what is, is uh huh, right? It's a whole, it's a whole different channel which does not have the discovery of witches. <laughs> I need, I need people to read like, like one marketing book. Maybe not even like a book. Maybe just like an article on Mashable or something. Just like read an article. And, and, and like the thing is, is that most people, and this is, I'm actually a little odd that I do not actually have either a Roku or a Fire for a Prime. Like most people, when they stream, like those are the two ways that most Americans stream. So technically, AMC Plus is hitting the majority by doing that. But I'm very curious, and now I'm going to look because we have um, a Roku downstairs, which is what I primarily use. Because mm-hmm. usually, like I'm watching. Cruel Summer, great show by the way. Which Greg oh is not my watching. god, why is that not a hit? Um, it's so good. Anyway, it's on Freeform. If people are curious, it's not British, but it's great. But anyway, so we have a Roku down here, and that's what I watch a lot of stuff on. And it's really easy. There's like apps for everything. But we brought the Roku down here because we got a new cable box upstairs, and we have Comcast because I live in a part of the state that does not give me any options other than Comcast. So we got this really like fancy schmancy. Um, DVR mm-hmm. cable box. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it's called. It's like a small spaceship. <laughs> and it's got all these like it's got all these apps like built into it. Like that was why I brought the Roku downstairs because before I had just been like I had a Chromecast and I was just throwing stuff from my laptop to my iPad. But now there's like apps built into the cable box. You can like access Disney Plus like straight from the app. But the Apple TV app is not on our cable box. So I've been trying to get Greg to watch Ted Lasso, which will be coming to an episode this summer. Um, And we can't watch it upstairs because there's no Apple app on the Comcast cable box. So I am curious to see whether there is even an option for that. And that that's partly because Apple and Comcast are rivals. yep this is exhausting and we haven't even touched on the other real weird oddity of amc plus which is not so much an issue from for discovery of witches which we will get to in a second i promise i can't wait to talk about it because that actually premiered on amc plus and and sundance now several months ago like back around new year and it's finally coming to linear amc so it will broadcast on your tv starting i believe it's june 27th correct it's this sunday because mm-hmm. there's not enough on sunday but um so that's fine like that makes sense like early access on their streamer comes to their tv network several months later after the exclusive on their streamer window has passed yeah that makes sense that's yeah. how people do stuff mm-hmm. this is at least something I can get my brain around. What I cannot get my brain around is what they've started doing with, they apparently also did this with this season of The Walking Dead or Fear of the Walking Dead. There's like five Walking Dead shows. I don't know. They're all One zombies. of the Walking Dead shows, they just did this. Um, they are releasing the episodes 
early of some programs on their streaming service and still airing them linearly like two to six days later i don't yes it's insane i don't even know when it's okay to talk about stuff um so i i always assume that once it's on the streamer you can talk about it um end of list but the fact is is that yes one of the things that amc is doing sort of to help promote amc plus because as you can imagine since there are even places where you cannot even get to it unless you have specific um specific you know gear honestly like they need to promote it so what they've started doing is that they will do a show where it premieres like say on friday on amc plus and then the next friday it premieres on amc linear so episode one airs friday one episode one airs friday two and episode two airs friday two but on one on the streamer and one on linear so basically like the people on streaming are basically a week ahead it makes my head hurt I, I can see where that is if you see one episode on AMC and you really, oh my gosh, if I sign up for the streamer, I can see episode two right now and I can get episode three early. Right. So that's sort of supposed to be the way it works. Um, the Beast Must Die is going to be doing this. Um, Kevin can go himself, which is an American show, but also amazing. Just amazing. Um, Just it's Kevin can F himself is okay. the name of the show. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. They're doing this basically with a lot of their shows to basically help promote AMC+. And I don't think that's a terrible... Like Each of these ideas, doing things, you know, piecemeal, and sort of like, you know, getting you to sign up for different little niches isn't a bad idea on paper. You know, having the show arrive one week early on streaming and then a week later on cable isn't a bad idea on paper. The problem is, is that no one else is doing this. And because it's so such an odd, like if there were, if, there, if, if like half the streaming services were doing this and the other half were doing like your Disney Plus thing, it would, it would feel more natural because they're the only ones sort of forging their own path people don't realize that that's what they're doing because they get used to it's like it's it's like um um a good a good example is uh uh hbo max is releasing movies on thursdays instead of fridays but because everybody releases stuff on fridays at 3 a.m people don't know they're available on thursdays it's just because we get so used to everyone doing the same thing that when someone goes and does something different like we don't find out about it because there's just so much information you know, like I know, it, because when you think about like how many people actually have have AMC Plus, mm-hmm. in order to even know that that is an option to them, like I I don't know. Were it me, I might have tried to like build a customer base before I did weird stuff, but I guess that's why I don't run a network. And also, and this is also very this this also strikes me is that Acorn TV was an extremely successful small-time streamer before it was bought by AMC. It has, according to like Variety and the other trades, the most stable user base of any streamer out there. Many streamers have this thing where it's this sort of attrition where people sign up for it, they watch the show they want, and then they unsign up. Um, I, I know many people who tell me that they basically, oh, yeah, I have HBO Max for the next three months, but then we're going to get rid of that and we're going to sign up for, you know, per- Paramount Plus because Star Trek will be coming. And then that Star Trek show we we, we want to watch is over. And so we'll be switching over and we'll be getting Netflix back. Right. Like, that's what they, they literally do this. I just don't have that kind. I mean, good on people that can that have that kind of like time management ability. <laughs> I am not that person. Like uh, uh, companies love me because I hate 
like canceling things is it's I'm why they make it so hard because I'll just give up. <laughs> they don't even make it that hard, but you do have to remember to unsign up or you have to be like, okay, I've gotten to the end of the show. I'm immediately going to cancel. And Hey, what show do we want next? Okay. So we're going to sign up for this one, right? Like, and this is people really do this. And it is actually a very, very common thing. Do you have to think up like a new username every time? No, that's you another just another layer of pressure that I don't need. No, no, no. You basically just re-sign up. As le- at least that's what the people who used to. Okay, most of the people I knew who did this did this with CBS at All Access for Star Trek, and they just yeah. they just reactivated their accounts. Basically, is what they would do. I assume that's what most other people do. I just really haven't asked because I I don't know. I just haven't asked. Um, whereas you know, <laughs> I just have <laughs> subscriptions to like eight sc- eight streamers. It's yeah, fine. But Acorn. TV's people really don't do this. We are the kind of people who sign up and we're like, all right, we're good. And we just watch Acorn TV. Um, and, well, and because I think a lot AM- of that has to do with the fact that it doesn't like their content is not in a lot of other places. No, it really isn't. It really when you say, you know, technically, quote unquote, um, uh, Downton Abbey is an exclusive to Peacock, except it's also now on Netflix and on PBS Passport and on and on and Possibly on Prime. I mean, seriously, it's amazing. Anyway, um, the point is is that AMC had this model. They had a company that they literally owned that had sort of solved this problem, that had a really stable user base. And that's honestly why I thought Acorn TV would basically become sort of the platform that AMC Plus would be built on when I assumed that they would sort of like mush all their stuff together the way everybody else was. But no, no, and they really, none of these other channels seem to have emulated that or, or, or studied it or figured out how to do it. And I, I don't really quite understand why. I definitely do not understand why. I'll be interested to see like how they do with this because again, like they have access to so much stuff mm-hmm. that I don't know. Like if they suddenly start putting out Doctor Who earlier or something like that, I'm gonna have to like see what's up. But I don't think they'll be allowed to do that. Um, no, right now, Doctor. That's the other thing. BBC America's stuff is on HBO Max. What? None of this. None of this makes, makes any, any sense. sense any sense okay we've now talked 20 minutes on amc plus let's get to a discovery of witches <laughs> okay okay let me make one more comment first is i feel like i was about to say a, a number and then i was like wow that makes me sound really old but i just feel like i've been asking for the majority of my adult life uh, to just give me a version of iplayer i can subscribe to that's really all i want like it, it it's all i've ever wanted <laughs> yes we know <laughs> Of course, we uh, we know why we can't have that, because we are not British taxpayers, and iPlayer is exclusive to British taxpayers. Um, but I the, genuinely... pay the license fee. I will pay you a license fee, BBC. I, I genuinely believe in my heart that BritBox has it in them to be the iPlayer for Americans. I do genuinely believe that that is in there somewhere and that they just haven't found their way there yet. But I, I, I want to believe more than anything that in that within five years, BritBox will go from, yeah, we had all the old Doctor Who stuff to here is how you get your iPlayer, Miss American. <laughs> and I will be like, and here is all of my money. <laughs> I am, I am, I'm hoping for you, mm-hmm. BritBox. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about some vampires and witches and demons and. So here, oh. here's my confession: <laughs> I don't like vampire shows. 
Oh, I love vampire shows. I love True Blood all the way up until it went nuts at the end. I did not think I would like A Discovery of Witches when I first heard about it in 2018. It I is was very like, much a vampire show for girls. It, it, it very much is. Like I was. Like, that sounds. It sounds like sexist to say, but I mean it in the sense. I mean it more in the way of like it's very focused on the romance and the relationships and. And all of the other, I could do with a lot of let, a lot of let, blah, blah, blah. I could do with a lot less of all the like creature politics and just like watch, um, hot people being hot together. Okay. You know what though? It's the creature politics that got me about this show. Oh, you would. You and I have the weirdestly divergent taste. I mean, um, just anyway, before uh... we, before we get into arguments about creature politics, for those who do not. No, A Discovery of Witches is based on a trilogy by Deborah Harkness, I think is her name. And every time I say that, I always think I'm about to make like a Captain Jack Harkness reference from Doctor Who. But um, anyway, it's called the All Souls trilogy. I haven't actually read it, although everyone tells me that I would really like it. And that was before I watched the TV show. But the basic gist of it, you can probably tell from the trailers, which is a vampire and a witch fall in love. It is forbidden for a bunch of complicated political reasons. Which are fascinating. It has like a really complex like internal system of how these different supernatural creatures, who are all, of course, hidden from humans, relate to each other. And they have this long history together and they have this long like you know, sort of animosity between certain groups and there's all this stuff that like if a vampire and a witch get together, it's like the end of the world because reasons if, you know, demons and witches have babies, it's the end of the world because different reasons and there's all these people trying to track down this thing called the Book of Life, which in the first season is basically this, what is it, Ash Ashmore? Uh, Ashmore 782. If you like like nerdy library things, the whole first season is in like the reading room at Oxford while they like all look for this book. Yeah, it's it, you basically every episode has at least a scene in the Bodleian Library, which it's I beautiful. just it's gorgeous. I I physically the thing is I've been there and I like I've 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 been to Oxford several times and walked through it. And I love Oxford so much. And one of the things about this show that got me like honestly like I was like oh god vampires Ugh. um fine fine demons i'll survive it i watched buffy i can do this right and it's pretty and it's fun and sure and hey river song is in it it's okay really like, like oh river song is in it that's got like a banging cast it's like matthew good looking really hot as the vampire can I just say that La- Lady Mary's second husband looks really great looks as a vampire? Like, I totally believe good. that he is now a vampire. I in love, Abbey um, her, Teresa Palmer <laughs> plays Diana the Witch. Uh, she's just very fabulous. I actually had not seen her. I had not seen her in anything prior to Discovery Witch. She's the only one I didn't actually yeah, know. Yeah, me too. She's I, an didn't, I hadn't seen her actress. in anything either, but I um, love but- her in this. She's really good. But like everyone else, like Alex Kingston is basically her 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 aunt. Um, that that's who I mean by River Song. Uh, Owen Teal from uh, Game of Thrones is in it. I mean, just the 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 list of like if if I were to sit here and like list it, it would be like this person from this show is in it. This person from that show is in it. This person like Sophia Miles. Like it's just it's ridiculous. And they're the, all the, the very cast pretty. List is just ridiculous that way. It's a it's a who's who kind of thing. Like uh, Edward Blumen Bl- Blumel, I guess is how you pronounce. 
pronounce his last name. He was in Killing Eve in season two. Like, oh, I just yeah, the whole the whole cast is just great. Um, and I I I I I instantly tuned in because I was like, all right, I will watch to like watch Oxford because I think Oxford is beautiful and I think I I the setting is gorgeous and these people are pretty and I'll just get through the vampire stuff and then there was the whole scene where the vampire tries to save his friend from a car accident and basically there's all these political ramifications and by the end of the episode um, I, I was really like I'm in take love or leave the creature politics stuff because I am here to what I am sure will be the shock of no one I am here for for Matthew and Diana and their big epic boundary breaking love they are very hot together um the first season is basically Diana discovering she's a witch because she doesn't actually know that. No, no, um, she knows she's a witch, but she's sort of like in denial about it. And she's like, I don't actually have to use my powers. I can be a non-witch. She's she's also, and I had to look up what this word was because I couldn't remember. She's also like spellbound. So her yes. magic has been like bound because she's so powerful. Because of course we can't have a show like this without the girl in it being like some kind of chosen one. Of course but She's apparently like, super powerful her power has been bound since she was a child by her parents who were also witches and the reason that she is trying really hard not to be a witch and she's sort of denying herself and denying her abilities is because her parents were killed by witch hunters and like it was really scarring and that's why river song raised her because that's her aunt but after she actually as she accidentally sort of uh, she's she's a professor. She's researching at Oxford, and she accidentally gets handed this sort of book in the stacks, which is the Ashmole, whatever, whatever. Seven eight two is the Book of Life, which is this big thing that is supposed to, if you can put it back together, supposedly got all these secrets about like creature kind and why they're dying out and why they're having problems reproducing. And I mean, I would guess some of them are like undead, and that might be why, but. Um, <laughs> but like this is supposed to like has this is supposed to like have all the answers. But like when you try to make like you don't actually need to ro- procreate to make a vampire. You just need to bite them and then you bite them and then they don't actually become a vampire. Like oh right, the guy that gets hit by a car just dies. Clearly, is something is Spoiler. wrong with the with, with your with with your universe if that's what's happening. Um, so that's and- why everybody like every every vertical of creature is like searching for this book that's been missing for forever because they want to they want to fix they want to fix their particular people they want this power that it supposedly has and because they're all um, competing with each other and they all hate each other because they're all racist against each other's uh races they uh nobody is working together and one of the things about like Matthew and Diana's relationship isn't just that they are you know forbidden love vampire witch thing but also that for the first time two different creatures from two different verticals i guess are working together to solve this huge problem that is actually afflicting all of their kind Mm -hmm. so basically diana gets accidentally magically however you want to describe it gets a hold of this book people find out she's seen this book and suddenly she's being hunted down by a variety of different scary people um she and matthew fall in love even though they're not supposed to flash forward to the end of the first season and they have to they have to travel back in time. I'm not even going to explain how that works. <laughs> they have to travel back in time. There's there's like three the objects premise. and like yeah, it, it it's MacGuffin. Like, it's, yeah, it's like time walking. It's a, anyway the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> season two is what is going to start on AMC this June, and season two is Matthew and Diana go to Elizabethan England, and, and it, it, I really this it is, is great. Uh, it, 
here's the thing about period piece England. We have a tendency to sort of stick to the 1800s when we do these sorts of shows. It's either Victorian era or it's Regency. One of the things I really liked about Poldark is that it was going into the Georgian era, which is an era that sort of gets skipped a lot. And like, yes, when people do Elizabeth I stuff, we hit this Elizabethan era. But honestly, it's not something that an entire show just sets itself in in that way, partly because it is so far back from us. Um, you know, in a way, doing doing Victorian England is, 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 is easier because there's they're closer to us in technology, in in lifestyle, in what they eat, what they wear, what they think. You know, like the 1500s are freaking 400 years ago. Right. Like that is not we, we are we are separated by so much that it's kind of hard to do that and make it be sort of realistic I guess but not that's not quite the word I want but um. I actually really like one of the things I like about what they do with this time travel thing they have to go back they have to time travel back to the past because Diana needs somebody to teach her how to use these like massive powers that she didn't know she had so she's gone back in time to look for a powerful witch to help her and also because Matthew was alive back then and has a lot of knowledge about like what was going on and where there might have been witches and all that stuff. He's got a really nice house. Does have a really nice house. <laughs> he's friends with Kit Marlowe. Like, you know, he's got um, he's got a really nice life in the 1500s. You know, if you're going to go back to the 1500s, go back with a vampire who's rich. That that that's the lesson of season 2. <laughs> or just really anyone, really anyone who's rich. But the thing that I find interesting is that although yes, at some point uh, Queen Elizabeth the first does appear. She's a very minor player in the story, and you get to see like a lot of other tangentially uh, famous Elizabethan people. Like Kit Marlowe is Matthew's best friend, and also a demon. I think. Yes, and also a demon, just for the heck of it. Maybe because they couldn't make Shakespeare a demon. I don't know. <laughs> He's played by um, <laughs> uh, Prince Albert from Victoria. Tom Hughes. Yes. <laughs> Tom Hughes. Yes. Uh, he is really over the top and great in it is awesome. And also like, so they've got like Kit Marlowe, they've got uh, Robert Cecil, who was like Elizabeth's spy master, who was of course like using vampires and stuff to, to like spy on people. And it's really, it's really, I just loved it. Cause it's such a Venn diagram of things that I love also for me, because I didn't really like a lot of the creature politics stuff from the first season. And I had a hard time following some of it probably cause I hadn't read the books. But by taking them and putting them in Elizabethan England, which is a time period and a place that I that I know a lot about, I felt a lot more comfortable with like the story that was happening around it. And it wasn't and it was much more about like Diana coming into her own as a witch. Matthew's past. You get to James. James Purifoy is his. Yeah. Vampire father. who yes. Is no longer around in the present day timeline. And it's just really like. And you it's, also I don't know, it really helped it really helped me like connect with the show a lot more because I didn't have to do all the stuff that you liked, apparently. Well, no, I mean, honestly, there is still some of that in in season two, but much less of it because part of the thing about the politics of season one is that because it's in the present and I mean, there's sort of it, it, it kind of becomes political allegory for our present in the same sort of way. Mm -hmm. um, whereas moving back to the past again, 400 years, really long time. Um, you don't need it as much, if that makes any sense. Like you don't feel like you need it to make it realistic. 
I mean, and it's just like a lot more fun. Yes. To me I would, anyway. I add the costumes in season two are just like they're they're just chef's kiss. Like I I love them so much. And oh the gosh. thing about I'm not gonna tell you why she wears this, but at one point, <gasps> like Diana wears this huge sparkly silver ruff and it is <gasps> incredible. It is actually like it is it, whenever I, I talk about the show on um on Elite Daily, it's the photo I use because I love it so it's, much. That outfit is so great. But, um, oh, shoot, I got distracted by the sparkly outfit. What was I actually going to say? <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, I honestly like that. That honestly is one of the things that I didn't like season one because it's set in the present. Like, that's the other reason why I was sort of really hesitant about this show. Vampires in the present and this sort of like urban fantasy stuff can just not work. It's hard to it's sometimes. also hard to pull off on mm. screen instead of on the page mm-hmm. because you really like. You need the world building yeah. in that kind of environment a lot more than you do. And season two in a again, non-contemporary show. Yeah, and and moving moving back to Elizabethan in England in season two really sort of freed the show from having to work so hard in a way. Um, now the end of season two, um, without any spoilers, you will end up going back to the present, like the the final book, the final fight. It's all going to be here in 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 the twenty first century. Um, yeah, I will say too that the end of season two is a little bit. Um, not a letdown, but it's not like through the whole season you watch like Diana learning her learning more about magic and who she is and what kind of witch she is. She gets like a familiar. She's like shooting flaming arrows from her hands. Like it's awesome. Like she very much, and I think this is also why I really like this season better than the first one. Like the first one is so much about Diana like making herself small for whatever reason. And the second season is really about her like coming into her own power like literally and figuratively speaking and that's just a much more satisfying arc for me like but the ending of a season like it has been renewed for a third and final season that season has already been filmed i don't know when they're going to release it definitely not until next year but like that's the finale so it is a little like you you think that it's like diana's doing all this stuff like you know like a training montage in a movie or something like so she's gonna just like unleash it all at the end of the season and that's not entirely what happens i suspect that will be what happens next season but you know just want to watch her like rain fire on people Um, my wants I, are few I also I, I, I find Discovery Witch just really fascinating because it's one of the originals from Sky and um, what we over here don't probably realize is how much Sky has been sort of struggling in in this new world of streaming Sky used to be sort of the HBO of of the UK in a way except uh, unfortunately owned by Rupert Murdoch Um and and it has a real it has a real uh, uh, hold on things in the way that sort of Comcast is both your cable person and owns a, and and has a streaming service of Peacock and owns NBC. Uh, Sky is like the supply. Sky supplies like the in the way that everybody has like a Fire or Roku. Everybody has the Sky at the Sky. Uh, 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 me- mechanics to get their streaming. Um, so they have like a they have a real domination over there. But they have basically always relied on licensing shows from other people doesn't sky tend to air a lot of hbo shows in the uk oh yes oh yes the coming of hbo max is going to screw them 
hard um, because they have basically been the HBO supplier to the UK forever. Um, and so, yeah, like they in the in the same way that we talked about how PBS is sort of struggling because suddenly they're competing with Netflix and they're competing with HBO Max, they're competing with all these other streaming services for British programming. Um Sky has that same problem and so they have basically like gone all in on producing their own content. They are spending like a billion pounds next year on on their own content alone for uh fiscal year 2022 um and so it is it, it is a big deal that these sorts of shows like a discovery of witches become a hit for them and that they get that they basically they need to find their in the same way that we, that that like uh hulu had a handmaid's tale that sort of like you know sort of launched it in people's consciousness and and netflix had a house of cards and all those sky is sort of searching for that right now and um, I think Discovery Wishes is a really interesting choice for them. And I'm sort of hoping that this is the kind of programming that they aim for. But I don't know. Like you can see when, when you realize that that's what you're, they're doing, you can sort of see that this is sort of a, 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 an aim for a Game of Thrones style hit. Um, but not really. More, more like Outlander, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think one of the really important things to think about in terms of this show I know I joked before that like this is a show that's made a vampire show for girls, but um, I don't really mean it in like the diminutive way that I said it because I think it's actually really smart to make a program like this that leans into the Outlander lane instead of the Game of Thrones lane. Like this show is 100% like unabashedly romantic. Like it knows that you are watching it because you want to watch these two people get together and it does not make you feel bad about that it does not judge you for that it's like this is why the show exists like and there's some other stuff that happens but that other stuff happens in service of this romance yeah they really they really lean into that 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 sexual tension especially in the early going between matthew and diana like it, it really is it is it, it, it it's really well done um for someone who is here really for the politics the 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 romance is really well done because i do think that there's like not re- like like fantasy romance is a huge lane in like popular fiction which we have and not I, tapped into properly on in no bridgerton has begun to tap into romance in general but it, that's not fantasy romance that's period romance that's regency romance we haven't outlander is the closest thing we have gotten to sci-fi fantasy romance on tv and there hasn't uh, really and i been... just like there's so much rape in that show like yeah. i just can't <laughs> yeah yeah um, but yeah, like, honestly, like, I'm still sort of waiting to see if we can get sort of the Bridgerton for fantasy. Um, and uh, that would be just like square in my lane. Right. I honestly like I feel like one day, like if, if Sky follows this sort of track, it will find that. And I'm really sort of hoping it does, um, even though I really should never cheer on anything that Rupert Murdoch does. Anyway. <laughs> But anyway, the show is good. It starts on linear AMC, not AMC Plus. So you'll be able to DVR it on your cable box on June 27th. It is, I think, really... I mean, it's not like a show that I tell everyone I know that they must absolutely watch it because it's just like a, a you know 
TV as art form elevated, but it's like a good entertaining show. And if what you want is like a really good love story with some fun fantasy elements, like Chef's Kiss. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else? Do, what do you hope for season three of uh, Discovery of Witches other than more flaming arrows? More flaming arrows. And also, <laughs> um, I'm not going to describe it because it's just sort of awesome. Like Diana gets a familiar in season two, finally, after much discussing. And it's awesome. And I want, I think its name is Cora. Yes. And I want more, more Cora. Cora okay. spinoff. Um, I really just want, I, I mean, I want I want the story to be, and this is actually really interesting because, like I said, I haven't read the book, so I don't know how the story ends. But I want, um, I want season three to incorporate more of what season two did, which is really make sure that every, no matter how other you know much politics stuff they have to put around it, or like creature world building or anything, like just make sure that Diana is the center of the story and like Diana's journey. Because I just think that she's a great character and I love her. Um, I have to say that what I really want is m- more that I want Discovery of Witches to find its way to being a hit. And I say this in the same way I say it about Line of Duty here in the States. Um, AMC has uh, uh, AMC just lost the rights to Line of Duty. But it, Acorn went all in with season five trying to make that show be a hit. And because it is a small niche streamer, it couldn't do it. And I, I don't know if BritBox will be able to or not, even though Line of Duty is one of the most addicted te- television shows I've ever seen in my life. Um, Discovery of Witches is really good. And I feel like it's got the potential to be that show that could help launch these small time streamers mm-hmm. into people's consciousness in a way that they're not right now. I will agree with that, if only because I want more shows that are like this, that are in this sort of fantasy romance lane. And as we have all, uh, if we have learned nothing from Bridgerton, it is that someone has to be a hit first before they'll make more of them. So I want more of them. So there we go. Yeah, I'm really hoping that Discovery of Witches season three manages to take the good part, what I really loved about season one and season two and smash them together so that we get the kind of show that could really like take off from that runway. I support that wish. Um, so yeah, I don't, I think that's, well, it's the end of our show this week, but I also think that is the end of our initial overview of now stream. This is so I don't know what this little segment is going to look like after that. I'm sure we'll think of something. I'm Ask sure. us questions. <laughs> um, it may just be us talking about shows that air on various streamers and I just call it now stream this. Um, we shall see, but, uh, as usual, Annie, tell the people where you live on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. Uh, you can find my cats, my fuzzy, adorable little bastards who broke into the food and ate a bunch of it when they weren't supposed to. Um, on Instagram, where I will be taking adorable pictures of them anyway and their little fat butts. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really mad about the food. Um, it wasn't even their food. It was the it. it 
was the it was the poor old cat's food. Anyway, um, oh. let's see. Doesn't he have like high calorie like old cat food too? That's probably why they liked it. Uh, he has he has non carb old cat food. Um, because he's slightly diabetic. Um, you can. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily. There we go. That's where the rest of my spiel is. Um, I am a regular contributor to televisions.org and I also freelance around the web. I think the last thing that I probably put up was a, a Loki review, and you should be watching Loki because Tom Hiddleston is amazing at it. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Just it, honestly, if you just be my friend on Twitter, like I retweet all of my bylines. It's just the fastest way to know what I wrote today. So, yeah. Um, be my friend on Twitter. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And I also write a lot here at Televisions and elsewhere around the entertainment web. But I always uh, tweet my bylines. So you can find out the weird Venn diagram of my interests this week uh, by following me there. If you just want the cat pictures, the boys are on Instagram at Baker and Hammer. And my series of photos of Hammer in places where he is not supposed to go continues. Yesterday, I found him, or the other day, I don't know, what is time? Someday, I found him in the dresser drawer. So, it was very little house on the prairie. I sleep in a drawer. I know, right? It's like, I sleep in a dresser drawer. He's such a little mm, cat. <laughs> anyway, um, the site and the pod live on social media at telly underscore visions on twitter and televisions blog all one word on facebook uh, we are at televisions.org and if you like what we do you can click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing it and support public media at the same time that is our show for the week and again if this feels like it's gonna be like a summer trend i'm like there's like i just got an alert that's like there's a flash flood warning in your area so um to keep this short before the power of the internet goes out again it's always an adventure in 2021 uh take care of each other stay safe please encourage everyone you know to get vaccinated if they haven't yet done so and we will see you next week 